The Big 12 has new blood. The question is, which part of the new blood is going to have the opportunity to strike on some iron immediately? You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl-related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. As you know, we are available on all of your podcasting platforms as well as visually on YouTube, and you can find me personally at All Day O State on Twitter. Today, we've got a specialty item on deck, and we actually have a special guest to help break it down. Now, yes... I uh, recently gave some UCF fans a little bit of flack for you know some of the, the way that I thought they mishandled some of the conversation about Mackenzie Milton. But that's 100% beside the point because every fan base has people that get a little lost in the w- weeds, right? Every fan base has people that you would like to push off into an island and say, listen, they don't represent the masses. So... This is probably a, a, a nearsighted adventure that I took yesterday by myself, which is okay. But now we have somebody to break it down and make it make sense for me, as well as the recruiting realm. How does the UCF Golden Knights fit in? Well, heck, I, I probably don't know, but I know somebody who does. Adam Eaton from Sons of UCF. How are you doing today, my brother? Cody, I'm doing well. I appreciate you coming across enemy lines to have a, a UCF uh, uh, representative on the show. I do have to start off, though. We have to start off on an awkward foot because you, you did the thing. I don't know if you know you did the thing, but you did the thing. So UCF, we dropped the Golden in like 2007. We're just the UCF Knights now. So you call us the Golden Fair Knights. Enough. That's the hockey team. Okay. We get that a lot. So that that's, you know, I'm good with it. I can roll with Fair. you on that one. But that's going to get Fair. you in UCF Twitter trouble is uh, dropping the Golden Knights. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I, I do greatly appreciate the correction there, but the, the colors are still a reference point to that, I would assume, right? Yeah, there's been interesting. UCF's uniforms have gone through transitions. I think they tried to phase the gold out for a while there when, when we had George O'Leary as our head coach. The uniform uh, were, were yellow, and, and by yellow, I mean more like, like urine yellow. And so it rubbed oh. a lot of fans the wrong way. Gold kind of got shoved aside for a while. We went anthracite. We went pewter, the whole Nike scheme. But gold is slowly making its way back to UCF. As it should, man. I don't really think there's a whole lot on earth other than orange and black that looks better than the color gold. That's just that, that how it is. I remember getting a pair of Michael Johnson track spikes. Man, the solid gold thing. I, I was in love from the very get-go. So, all right. Speaking of track, UCF has kind of made a name for itself over the years as to having a lot of team speed, right? You guys have found unique ways to athletically challenge your opponents and not only challenge them but oftentimes beat them now as you're in this transitional period i think that everybody out there in oklahoma state nation is curious as to what the expectation is for ucf in in year one from you know basically by and large from what you've been hearing around the orlando area sir 
Yeah, I think the ceiling for a lot of people is is obviously, I mean, they want to go to, you know, national championship, right? I mean, every team thinks you're going to go undefeated every year. And so you have the fan base that thinks that, hey, we're going to go in and run through the conference. I think most reasonable expectations start at a bowl bid. So being bowl eligible, I think, is where most reasonable reasonable expectations start. Uh, obviously, UCF has three non-conference games, Boise State, Villanova, Kent State. You'd hope those are three wins, right? So that means at least three wins inside of the conference. I think, you know, I saw a bunch of articles. I think a lot of people have UCF in that seven to nine win range overall. Right. I think yeah. if, if that's where UCF lands, I think most fans would be okay with that. Again, you're going to have those outliers who think we should go undefeated and that's a terrible season. But I think if you told everybody coming into the season, hey, sign up right now, get nine wins guaranteed, I think the majority of the fan base would take that. So I think for, for us, the floor is a bull bid. And I think if you're in that seven to nine win range, I think that's what most reasonable expectations are for UCF fans. And if there's one game not – well, you know what? I'll just – I'll just I expect an answer here, but I'll ask anyways. What game are UCF Knight fans most pumped up for? Uh, Oklahoma. Uh, so UCF will travel to Oklahoma. Um, and so, yeah, obviously it's a big game because it's Oklahoma, right? And Oklahoma has all this right. other stuff. But if you follow anything close enough, the Oklahoma starting quarterback is one Dylan Gabriel who transferred from UCF. His, uh, his departure did not go over well. Uh, there were certainly a, a bunch of comments, uh, you know, after he leaves about some of the things that he did in the in the locker room. And, you know, the rumor mill always starts and everyone always starts talking about what they heard. Right. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's a, a beloved figure uh, in, in UCF Nation right now. So I think everyone would love to go into Norman. Obviously, huge road game, you know, take the you know, the new mantle of the Big 12 and sort mm -hmm. of kick the old mantle. Oh, and by the way, beat your former quarterback. I think that's the game that everybody would sign up for for an easy win. If I told UCF fans, hey, you're only going to win five games all year, but one's Oklahoma, I think there may be people who take that bet just because of, of what that game's going to mean, I think, for fans. The storyline is definitely going to be worth a watch, right? Hey, pun intended, it's going to be worth its weight in gold. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. See what I did there. All right. Um, so when it comes to the bounce house, Give us a little bit of a rundown. I mean, I've done some research. I've watched the videos. It looks amazing. I'm not going to lie on TV. Like, it looks very, very, very cool. But historically speaking, it kind of came out of nowhere, correct? Like, it wasn't intended to be what it is. It was kind of sporadic, and then it became a, a bit of a thing. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, UCF had been fighting to get an on-campus stadium for, for years. They used to play in the old Citrus Bowl, uh, which is still around, but has been remodeled at this point. And uh, and so a, a funding plan came together pretty quickly, uh, and, and UCF built an on-campus stadium in, in a little less than a year and a half. Uh, and uh, it's it's reinforced. Um, you know, it's got some concrete in it, but it's reinforced with steel on the inside. So when they call it the bounce house, it legit bounces. So, um, you know, UCF, as every college program does, has their songs. You know, I don't know if it makes us the most, um, you know, original, but Zombie Nation is a song UCF uses. And obviously there's okay. there's parts of that where people jump up and down. And so if you're jumping up and down on those bleachers, the stadium does indeed bounce. So you will feel the thing shake. You will feel <laughs> the thing rock. It's not it's not the largest. I mean, we're about 45,000. Uh, it's not the largest stadium, obviously, that you're going to see. But it, it's compact. It's on top of you. Uh, and, and the thing about the bounce house that's interesting is, is you know, you've got uh, you've got student sections in both end zones which is which is relatively oh, wow. unique in a lot of schools right so we have both the south and the north end zone have a student section and so no matter what way you're traveling you have students you know yelling and screaming at you as you're going to the end zone so uh and let's not also forget cody i know oklahoma um is, is certainly uh you know has has some hot summers 
Florida in the fall, it's still in the in the high 80s with some humidity too. So, you know, the team's wearing those dark jerseys. Uh, it, it'll start to wear on you after a while. So you, you add the bouncing in, you add the crowd noise, you add the fans, you add the uh, the heat in there. And, and UCF's had a, a pretty historic run for home victories. I think up until the COVID year, I want to say it was like 30-something straight victories at home. Um, so UCF had a nice run there from 17 to 20 wow. uh, with, with some good wins on the bounce house. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. But it, it's definitely a fun place to go. Some place, if you haven't been there before, uh, I definitely encourage fans to get out there and give it a, give it a look. Say in Oklahoma State will be there late in, in November, I think that is. So mm-hmm. um, definitely if you, can, if you can find yourself a nice connecting flight from Stillwater to Orlando, it's definitely worth the trip. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 thinking about uh, thinking about doing it. Uh, and how often do you get this? Um, you can you can show me by how big you roll your eyes here. But is it structurally sound? I mean, I'm sure it's been checked a, a million times for for all of that. And another question is, if you guys expand, will that be something that is purposely taken into account from here on out? 16 years going strong and it hasn't fallen yet. So, I mean, so far, so good from a, from an odds perspective. Uh, sure, go. the jokes are there and, and and I'm sure there's some sort of inspection. Obviously, that's not something that they publicize too often, but I'm sure there's building codes out there that people smarter than you and I can can inform us 100%. about. But my sense is that after 16 years still standing strong, I think we're going to be okay. Expansion's well, interesting because, you know, UCF has definitely been a program that um, has been on the rise of late, right? Most people, you know, probably first heard of UCF circa 2017, right? Undefeated season you know i think that was the year a lot of people really came to know ucf and since then th- th- there's been a boon you know from the fan base from alumni so there's always talk about should we expand will there be expansion it's probably on the plans at some point but i think ucf as a as a, as a general whole i think they like a little bit of the compact atmosphere i think what they'd rather do is add some additional premium seating upgrade the press box i don't i don't know if there's full-blown plans now to add on to uh to the actual general admission seating you may sure. see some some premium stuff i mean that's the name name of the game these days right is big dollar right. donors right. and getting them into big you know sections like that so i think that's probably where ucf would go new press box and maybe some premium seating but i think they like the 45 ish number and, and they're probably comfortable there for a while so I like the donor idea, and obviously we're going to get into some of the recruiting stuff. Uh, so, but hit me with that the donor idea. I, I kind of want to hit on that a little bit. That's a good segue. But real quick, I do have to let all the fine people out there know that today we are brought to you by Bird Dogs. You know it's the bee's knees of all clothing brands because the boxers are already built in. It does half the work for you, saves you money, and the relaxing fit is remarkable. It's different than your grandfather's khaki. You can run in them, walk in them, swim in them, work in them, wake up and do it all over again in them. This is the best thing I've literally ever purchased. And golf shorts are kind of my cup of taters. So the fact that I can do everything in these on a daily basis, no matter what is happening, that matters a lot to me. And it should matter a lot to you. So do yourself a favor and get yourself hooked up on Bird Dogs by going to birddogs.com today. And of course, whenever you do so, make sure that you use the promo code Locked On College, all one word, and get yourself hooked up with a free Yeti style tumbler involved here. Again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on for the free Yeti style tumbler built in with the bird dogs logos that comes with your next order. All right. So you brought up something interesting there. And if you could if you could kind of rewind from the donor base. So if you've seen recently, um, Oklahoma State just got another massive check for, from Boone Pickens, whose name is on the stadium. He legitimately, financially, 
put Oklahoma State on the map. Yes, it's been the whole time since Mike Gundy has been there. That is very, very true. But I was fortunate enough to be going to games early on in the 90s, got the season tickets uh, in the mid to late 90s. And the, you know, metal bleacher stadium things that you could run underneath and play football and all that fun stuff, that's what it was. It was a metal fortress of some sorts. So to see it come from that, to what it is now, it is beyond remarkable. And the the way that it's directionally going east-west, the only other college that does that is, is Georgia. It does make it very, very new, unique, and we never tore anything down. We just built all around it because of Boone Pickens. And, yes, Mike Gundy has a massive, massive, massive hand in that. But, boom, when they say the house that Boone built, it's for a reason. And I saw some UCF fans that were that were like you know hey that's awesome congratulations it's really cool especially since he's been deceased for a few years right the, the fact that it's, it's still factored in for them it's a big deal and then it caught my my attention because UCF still in the infancy basically of being a university and it's amazing to think that you guys already have the biggest enrollment correct that's correct yep and so your alumni base is going to grow. I know that you guys have like some partnership with NASA and then there's a, a, a rocket that launches sometimes during games, which to me sounds awesome. Sign me up for that kind of stuff as well. But if you could kind of explain where, as far as the alumni base, are you going to make your bread and butter? Is it going to be an oil man like Boone Pickens? I wouldn't assume so. So, so kind of what do you think the donor base is? is growing into and, and and how long do you think it'll take before you have a boom pickens? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the, the first thing I would answer though, to educate a lot of folks is UCF still a, a young school, youngest school in, uh, in a power five conference. 1963 is when UCF first opened its doors. So if you, if you think about that from a time perspective, I don't know when Oklahoma state first opened its doors, but I'm going to say it's, it's significantly uh, before 1963. So what, what UCF is facing now is our average alumni is, is the age of around 37 years old right now. And so I think a lot of the folks in that age range haven't quite maybe made their financial wherewithal or still are in, in their growing phase. Right now, don't right. get me wrong. We still have a, a healthy number of alumni that are, uh, you know, certainly doing well in business and other ventures. Mm -hmm. But I think our average alumni, again, at the 36, 37 year old range, they're probably not at that level yet where they're going to make Boone Pickens type money. Although I don't really know right. who is. Right, right. Right. That's a pretty significant amount of money. I think where UCF is going to make its mark is over the next 10 to 15 years as that alumni base matures. Right. I mean, we're, we're 70,000 plus undergrads right now. We have, you know, I think it's over 300,000 living alumni. So as those folks continue to, to build up their own careers, their own professions, and have opportunities to give back to UCF, I think our boon comes, no pun intended yeah, there, yeah, and the yeah. next 10 to 15 years by getting all that alumni base. Now, having said all that, there is a, a group of individuals that started the UCF um, NIL collective. It's called The Kingdom. And those are, are, are reputed to be sort of the big money rollers at UCF. Um, okay. You know, we, we've got a couple of multimillionaires in there. There's a rumor there's a billionaire in there. I don't, I don't know how true that is. Ooh. I don't get to see everyone's bake statements. Uh, but UCF certainly is getting the, the larger checks these days. But yeah. I think we're about 10 years away from getting a significant amount of alumni donations. And in the next 10 years, obviously, will someone kind of hit it rich and, and some dot com slash Bitcoin slash AI generated thing? Hopefully so. And we have a brand new stadium and brand new field. But I think a lot of what UCF will do is grow over the next 10 years um, just based on the age of where the school is and what the alumni base looks like. I tend, I, you know, I, I think I tend to agree. And 1963 is impressive. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma State was founded uh, Christmas Day, 
1890. So, yeah, I mean, we, we're ahead, but that's an amazing thing as well because with all of that longevity, we didn't really, you know, we, we, we obviously played an undefeated season, got awarded the national championship of 1945. But after that, we didn't really do much until the mid-80s and then the late 80s with Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas and, and Gundy and Harley Dykes and all those guys. And then when we went on probation, we didn't get, you know, we didn't get uh, Pony Expressed, but it hurt quite a bit. And then we didn't become really much of anything again until the mid to late 90s, and we were still, seven wins was a very big deal. Like, I'm just going to be 100% realistic with you. So for most Oklahoma State fans, they've, they've gone or heard about most of their lifetimes of Oklahoma State not being good. We're in the glory days of an Oklahoma State fandom. So to see how you guys have you know grown so quickly and, and are in the, the Power Five, make no mistake, that is impressive. So even the people who throw shade at the UCF direction, they would be completely ridiculous to not at least admit the fact that y'all's trajectory has been amazing. You have earned this seat at the table. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Now, from a recruiting spec perspective, in my opinion, it's going to take a couple years for, for most of the new, new guys to kind of get the three deep um, that really is going to make a big difference in the Big 12. I do think that teams like UCF and Houston, their first string are as good as anybody's. Right? I, I think that's 100% legitimate. The difference is the, the backups, right? And I'm, I only say that because – I've watched Oklahoma State struggle for years and years and years to get to this point. It's taken us this long to get to where we have a legit three deep all the way across the board. Do you agree with that assessment? And if so, how long do you guys think it'll be before your two three deep is is on the, the same playing field? Yeah, Cody, I think you're a thousand percent right. I think if you look at, you know, the one of the last schools to make a jump like this was TCU, right? Obviously to the Big 12. And you saw it took them a couple of seasons to really kind of get it figured out. And most people you right. talk to say it's it's really about depth. You know what I mean? I think if, if you if you asked any UCF fan, even coaches, they'd probably tell you if you line up our first 11 versus any other school's first 11, they feel pretty good about the talent they have. They feel pretty right. good about the speed they yep. have, the size they have on both sides of the ball. Certainly mistakes will happen, right? Turnovers, what are you going to do? But our 11 versus year 11, I think most coaches at UCF would tell you, yeah, we feel really good about that. It's when you start waving in that second and that third string. I think that's where UCF has to catch up, right? Because, you know, in the American Conference, no disrespect to them, but your second string could be a fringe, you know, two-star, three-star guy, and you can be okay, right? In the Big yeah. 12, your first and second string probably both have to be, you know, four-star, high three-star guys, right? And Correct. so it's going to take UCF a couple of classes to, to build that up. I will tell you, momentum-wise, Gus Malzahn has, has made it a you know, a, a mission, what he calls the state of Orlando, right? Put a fence around the state of Orlando and basically keep all those local kids home. Last Heck year yeah. in 23, th this this class coming in, the highest rated class UCF's ever had. The 22 class was the highest rated class before the 23 class. So Gus has put together two pretty, pretty good classes. Uh, we've made some inroads in the 24 classes. Still early. I think we have five commits right now. But again, so much runway before pen hits paper that I don't even know how to count some of those, right? Because you assume someone's yeah. committed and they're all in until all of a sudden you're respecting their decision. So, you know, but I think Gus has done a nice job of, of, of building those recruiting pipelines at UCF. You know, I saw a stat the other day from, um, 
from uh, from a site, the 1012 Network, that UCF's recruiting class is the closest to its actual campus by you know several hundred miles, which shows UCF well, is, is cool. close is closing off that that Florida corridor. The Florida athlete is available. Obviously, a lot of schools like to recruit Florida pretty heavily, and so for Gus to keep those kids home, I, I think is going to be a huge a huge win. Uh, and so I think there's optimism, but to your point, I, I think we, we need at least to stack another two classes before you start saying, okay, we're going to be too deep, strong at every position. But here's the question I have just in general college football, right? Can you still do that in 23, 24, 25 with, with NIL, with, with transfer mm. portal guys aren't getting on the field in year one. I mean, guys are checking out and going someplace else. The Alabamas of the world, the Ohio States of the world, maybe they don't have to worry about it. But you look at that other crop of schools, you know, UCF, Oklahoma State, you know, guys are on the field that much. Are, are you going to be able to keep that kind of depth on your roster? I think that's really the curious, the curious angle for me. And does UCF need to kind of find those diamonds in the rough and help with player development? I think we talk a lot about recruiting. We talk a lot about get all the four or five star kids. But I mean, you go you go back through Oklahoma State, you know, you know, lore. I'll go through UCF lore, and I can probably tell you there's somebody on on Oklahoma State's you know wall of fame and their their ring of honor. That was a two star, three star recruit. That's a one of the 100%. top players at Oklahoma State. UCF has that as well. So yep. I think that's going to be a big part about it. Recruiting is fine, but can Gus and staff really develop players, find those diamonds in the rough, and get those kids who are maybe a mid three star playing like a four star and that's how you start to build your depth up. But I do think that the recruiting has, has certainly improved at UCF. I think there's a ton of optimism. Um, I think with the NIL that, that UCF is putting together now, they're much more competitive, but man, it's kids in 2023. Your guess is as good as mine on, on who actually puts pen to paper these days. Well, Adam, you know what? You're, you're too daggone good at your job because uh, you took the words almost right out of my mouth. The answer to your question, in my opinion, is yes, you can still build that too deep. And the reason being, it's actually, I think, going to be beneficial to teams like us, right? Is that you're going to have a lot of players nowadays that used to be legitimately three-star guys, right? The film evaluation and everybody put in the time. It's not going to be that way anymore. All of the three-star, right? The mid-three-star guys, the Barry Sanders of the world, nobody wanted. Those, those style of guys are going to be out there, and I think it's actually going to be even on a bigger scale. So the schools that have always had to put more into uh, the developmental process, I think are going to be ahead of the curve. Because as an Oklahoma State fan, I'll tell you for a long time, and it did this legitimately happened, OU would go recruit all the five stars, right? And then we'd get a bunch of two, three stars that you could see a lot of potential, and then they'd climb a little bit. And then the day before National Signing Day, Oh, you'd swoop in and they'd grab a few guys because they had an idea that why would we do all of the film research when Oklahoma State can, right? And then if he gains more credibility, we'll just offer. And that happened to us over and over and over again, but it made us more diligent, right? It made our coaches search harder for more of those, yes, diamonds in the rough. So now that, oh, my Lanta, all of this, this is coming into play. Uh, I, I think schools that have already been used to finding those diamonds are in a better spot now. Well, I think something Gus has done um, really well and actually just sort of, quote unquote, paid off for UCF here last week. Gus has been in uh, and the staff have been in on a lot of like four or five star guys that 
you look at your recruiting budget and you say to yourself, why are we wasting our time with, I mean, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, UCF? Like, why are we wasting our time with these kind of recruits, right? And that was the initial kind of push to, to a lot of fans. It was like, why are we spending time on this? Why are we going after these local kids? Why are we doing stuff like that, right? And I think what Gus figured out, and it just happened last week, Derek LeBlanc, a kid out of uh, Central Florida, committed to Oklahoma, didn't like his situation. I don't know the whole situation. And all of a sudden comes back to UCF, right? And so what Gus is doing is he recognizes, hey, I might not get these guys the first time around, but I'm going to build relationships with them. I'm going to let them see the campus. I'm going to recruit these guys hard. Let them go off and spend their year wherever they want to spend their year and do whatever it is they want to do. But all of a sudden, when the playing time's not there, when the NIL check doesn't doesn't cash, when they don't like you know being away from home, the weather sucks, all of a sudden, there's Gus with like, hey, hit that portal and we'll be here for UCF. So that's an interesting strategy that I, I've seen Gus implore. Again, just paid off for his last week with a guy like Derek LeBlanc. Can we yes. keep that up? I don't know. But I think getting in on these kids and giving them that that option when they go to the school for a year, don't like where they are, and, and now they're looking for new homes. I think that's another spot UCF is hopefully going to find in, an inefficiency in the system and, and hopefully clean up with uh, some talented guys. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And I actually do – I think that UCF is going to be a little bit further ahead of the curve than Cincinnati. Oh, my goodness. You know the Cincinnati fans are about to, about to blow my face off right here right now. But the reason being is you have the Gus Malzahn effect. They have no Luke Fickle effect. I believe that if they'd have been able to somehow retain Luke Fickle, this is a way different conversation. But they didn't. Yeah. yeah. They didn't. Okay. UCF and it fans matters in recruiting. It does. Well, you – UCF fans can talk about I mean, we had Scott Frost, who was on top of the world in 2017 for us, right? Yeah, yeah. An undefeated coach. He leaves bringing Josh Heupel, who is not the Josh Heupel you see at Tennessee, by the way. For right. anybody who's like, oh, you had the great Josh Heupel, let's talk, because that's not what we had at UCF. But either way, <laughs> when you start to see that churn from a coaching perspective, right? UCF's on three coaches now since since Scott Frost, right? So for, for us, that churn is tough. And I, I think Cincinnati is going to feel it. I'm not saying Satterfield can't coach. I'm not saying they don't have talent. Right. But right. You don't underestimate the churn of a coaching staff of players new systems new schemes fitting things together and uc has been through it too many times and as much as you have talent at some point some of that stuff catches up to you and i think cincinnati is obviously going to be in that position because i do think fickle was that person for them i think he could have kept recruiting you know the heck out of that place and probably 100%. built Cincinnati a nice quick power but i think that churn is, is certainly going to be something to monitor for cincinnati I think you nailed it, brother man. All right, so I'm gonna ask you a couple more, and then I'll let you skedaddle on out of here. Uh, thank you very much for your for your patience. Um, my fault, missed reading the the timetable, so I'm greatly appreciative of the time that I'm able to have from you. So let me ask you a, a couple more here before before I let you skedaddle on out of here. So give everybody in Oklahoma State Nation. Actually, you know what? So I'll give you real quick. One guy on offense that everybody should pay attention to in Stillwater is Elijah Collins, the running back transfer from Michigan State. He is way better than advertised from Michigan State. He's gotten faster. He almost rushed for 1,000 yards, and then he got buried behind Kenneth Walker. Uh, went through some injuries, right? You know, kind of like Jalen Warren showed up to Oklahoma State a couple years ago. He had all the moves. He had all the wiggles. He had all the ability. He didn't have the speed. He got faster here. Well, I'm hearing the same thing out of Elijah Collins. So offensively, I expect our running back room to be incredible. Defensively, everybody's going to talk about Kendall Daniels. He's our six foot five, 230-pound safety. He runs a 4'4", kind of an NFL-type dude. But Justin Kirkland, our nose tackle, is going to be some kind of impressive. So along those lines, uh, give, give my Cowboy faithful out here a little bit of a sneak peek as to a couple surprises on your side. 
Yeah, this isn't going to be a surprise, but it has to be mentioned. There's just no other way around this. UCF season on offense specifically will go as far as John Rice Plumley can take them. And if anyone hasn't seen John Rice Plumley, he is a fantastic athlete. And, and this is no joke. He literally may be the fastest person on any football field that he's on. He is a dynamic athlete, a fantastic runner, shifting the open field. But his 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 vertical passing game has been something that he's had to work on. And if you right. look at games UCF lost last season, a lot of it is because teams stacked the box against us and said, you're not running Plumley, You're going to throw the football. Yep. We have great receivers on the outside, really talented receivers on the outside that if he gets the ball in their hands, we feel really good about it. But his accuracy wasn't, wasn't strong last year. His decision-making wasn't strong last year. We have a new offensive coordinator. Now Gus Malzahn will no longer call plays at UCF. So he hired in a new offensive coordinator, brought in Darren Hinshaw previously of Kentucky. Um, so Gus is going to go, go all in on the CEO route for right now. So new offensive coordinator, former quarterback is Darren Hinshaw. There's okay. some talk that Plumlee's fundamentals are improving and getting better. I know that's the name everybody knows, but I'm here to tell you right now, if you turn on a tape and you see John Rice Plumlee is having a fantastic game, odds are pretty good UCF's winning. And if you're seeing John Rice Plumlee with a fumble, you know, 60 yards passing, you know, an interception, UCF's probably down by 10 or 15 at that point. So we'll go offensively as far as John Rice Plumlee can take us. Dude, I remember watching some Ole Miss games where he looked like daggone Johnny football out there. Like, yeah. A hundred percent. And then, He's electric. And then He's electric. he kind of fell off, right? And then, and then I didn't really know where he went. And then I watched a couple of games last year. And athletically, yeah, I, I saw a lot of incredible abilities. But like you said, when you put eight in the box, that's hard. That's, that, that, that's hard to maneuver around. So, okay, how about a defensive guy? Holler at me, Goose. Let's go. Um, true freshman John Walker, the highest ever recruit in UCF history, was number 55 for those tuning in. A local kid, uh, a kid who UCF actually went and battled against Ohio State and Alabama and, and Florida and Miami and ended up pulling him out of uh, out of uh, nearby um, Kissimmee. Uh, and and all, all people have told us that this kid is, is way beyond his years of a true freshman. Uh, he's a big kid. He's going to play in the middle. UCF's got a pretty stout D line. Uh, we've got some names that are returning that are, are going to be pretty big. Ricky Barber, Tremont Morris Brash are, are two but I think John Walker is going to get some playing time. I think he's going to sneak up on people because they're going to pay attention to some of the other guys that are down there. And I think he's going to get a chance too. So, uh, and I think Gus wants to play that strategically too, because he wants to show all the kids, Hey, come here's a true freshman, commit to UCF, get in the field. You'll make plays. You'll have success. And you'll, you'll sort of get, you know, hopefully some other hometown recruits coming here. So John Walker, true freshman is a name that you probably, you might not see early on, but I think as the year goes on, he'll develop even more. I think he'll be a good depth piece for UCF. And I think that's a name to watch both this year and hopefully in future years. Well, you know what, man, that is a very, very good uh, analysis. And I greatly appreciate it. Mr. Adam Eaton, do me a favor, brother man. Let the fine people out here know how they can contact you, how they can watch your show, get a hold of you, all that fun jazz. Plug yourself, my guy. No worries. So I'm a part of the Sons of UCF. We are sort of an independent podcast unit, uh, myself and, and two of my buddies, uh, all UCF alums. Uh, so we have a podcast that drops on an audio feed every Tuesday. We do a live show every Thursday night, 8 p.m. You can find that on our social media account. So that's Twitter at Sons of UCF. Also, our, our YouTube channel, also at Sons of UCF. 
We got a ton of player interviews that we always do. Uh, we got a lot of features that we're able to get uh, get done through UCF as well too. So find us on on Twitter, find us on YouTube at Sons of UCF. Again, uh, subscribe wherever you get uh, your quality podcast. Uh, hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. By the way, it's always uh, always appreciated. And uh, check out a live show. We take comments live on air. So if you want to listen in and tell us we suck and tell us we're great and tell us how good you are, uh, I'm, I'm more than willing to throw those on the screen as well. So find everything we're doing at Sons of UCF. <laughs> All right, man. I love it. I greatly appreciate it. Um, you know what? I'm sure we'll get linked up again as the season kind of uh, matri- matriculates closer and closer and closer to our trip to Orlando. And if I were if I were to had to put a number on it, I would say I'm probably a sixty percent lean that I make uh, make the trip to Orlando, brother. So if so, well, maybe we can do some some live stuff. I'm always down to for, for that as well. So again. Thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it. You came highly recommended. I had people in my DMs that, that legitimately were like, hey, man, all UCF fans aren't this this 18-year-old wild crazy sometimes. Get, you know, get with these guys. They're the best. I've asked people who are the best guys to cover UCF right now. You always get brought up, bro. So thank you very, very much for your time. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate you. Good night. Absolutely. Later, brother, man. All right, y'all. Well, that's a pretty simplistic. I am excited about the new iteration of the Big 12. I've said it before. Is it going to be, quote-unquote, better than the, the, the with Texas and with OU version? Probably not. Will it be more competitive and the best to watch in all of the country? Absolutely. freaking lutely So as much irritation as all of us have with any portions of any fan bases that go a little bit off the rails. Just know that we've all got people that make us a little, a little cringe moment at times. It is what it is. And you know, that's all we're going to have for this one. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for uh, some of the news that's going to be dropping this weekend. All right, y'all until next time. You know I love you. God bless. Go Pokes. And welcome to your first listening spot here at Locked On Oklahoma State. All righty. Later, y'all.